DJ, drop a beat. Not another podcast. 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 Those people are the freaks, man. They're hookers, so it's fine. James. Meth is a hell of a drug. Okay, bitch, it's on. Price. You know what really grinds my gears? I bet they're Brazilianaires. Samantha. Get out now or sting, get weaved. When we're really <laughs> desperate, we put our hands underneath his balls. Big Jim. I know my way around a joke. Been shaving your own pubic hair for years? No, I've just been collecting it. I'm not weird. Danny. Don't want to sound like a dick or nothing. Had an expansive bookmark collection. What the hell is wrong with you people? Not another podcast. Once again, the three immortal idiots ride. Part through the universe (laughs) as we know it. Thank goodness for those last tacos. Okay, so I don't know if you can hear it. I don't know if the mic is strong enough to pick it up. But my neighbor's cat is yowling at the top of her tiny little lungs at the ducks. (laughs) And Danger is poised behind me staring at the ducks. There's like this whole cat thing in my apartment complex where all the cats are watching these two ducks. But this little one. I don't know what's going on with her, but her meows are bigger than her body should be able to produce. <laughs> it's it's not the death yowl. <laughs> that, for three days, I thought it, that's what it was. I thought there was a hurt cat or something, but I couldn't find it. Today, as I was coming up my stairs, she yowled, and it scared the crap out of me. Because <laughs> I've seen this cat, and she's teeny. Just meow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it, but... Oh, I can't. It's, it, it almost sounds like a chirp coming through the headphones. Yeah, that's her. That's funny. Anyway, so that will probably be on the podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you can hear it, it means the mic's picking it up. So all through the podcast, there's going to be a constant meow. Because apparently she just discovered she can meow and she won't mm-hmm. stop. Yeah. <laughs> I have a voice and I'm going to use it. Exactly. Work it, sister. So, guys, how you been? Upright and functional, my friend. Hey, uh, before we get any further, we need to congratulate Samantha. She is now a published author. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, not like hey, in the creative hey, realm hey, that hey, I want to be hey. in, but I am a published. Did you get paid for your work? Not yet, but I will. <laughs> You are a published author. Yes. That um, works. That is more uh, than either Danny or I can say. Exactly. Uh, we could say it, but it'd be a lie. Well, yeah. I, mean. <laughs> yeah, I have two more articles that are up for review, and I got to write some more this week. So, so yeah. how does one get into writing for Screen Rant? You just so- write an article and go, here. <laughs> no, I wish it was that easy, right? No, there's actually a whole... Um, I, you apply and then you put links to like samples. Um, and I had done, you didn't link this show. Did you? No, no, I had, I had done blogs for other clients. So I linked those blog posts. Um, and then they say, Oh, well, our editors looked at your work and we, and then you're invited to, um, you're invited to give them a sample so you can pick whatever topic you want. They give you like the rules because I'm specifically a list writer. So, or lit the list articles that is 
specifically what I am writing for. So then you could pick a topic, something that's current, um, and then you give them like an intro and two list items that, you know, and uh, then they say yes or no to go through training. And then you go through a week long training. And then if you pass your training and, you know, they say you're good to go, then because the, the article that went out was actually my training article because you do a real article through your training and then you get feedback and edits and. Nice. Yep. And then that, and then you're free to pick whatever topics you want that are in the available space in their, in their, um, in their, uh, repertoire. Yeah. So, and yeah, That's and then you write cool. whatever you want. So the second one I wrote was on, um, um, Avatar The Last Airbender, which then prompted me to do a rewatch of the show because I adore that show. And then I did one on the top 10 short indie horror games over the last 10 years. And then the other ones like, ugh, but they, they split the topics up through like different groups and the topics our group is getting, I am so unfamiliar with. So I'm having to do like a lot of research and I'm like, oh, I don't think how about, how about doing one on the top 10 uh, best unknown podcasts? That, yeah, I could. <laughs> I'll pitch it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> a little on the nose, but you know what? I accept that. I'm yeah, just right? saying was... now we have a list writer <laughs> in our midst that maybe uh -huh. we should take advantage of. <laughs> I mean, the fact she's on this show feels like also, we're taking you know, advantage of uh, her anyway. Here, but... Here's here's another one that you know you could throw out there: uh, top ten unknown audio dramas that you should be listening yes, to. Yes, I totally. Or agree how about with that one? Top ten unknown heavy metal bands that you should hunt down on <laughs> YouTube and get disappointed that there isn't more music. Shut up, Danny. <laughs> Ryan and I just recorded another batch of videos today and um, on the, I was showing him the list that I keep and I have Herkimer down here and he was like, who is that? And I'm like, you know who Herkimer is. Don't even pretend. <laughs> so I had to tell Play him again. Big. How can you Play call big. yourself a metal fan? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you, sir? Herkimer and Tomb, if you don't know them, I don't Her know what you're doing. jacket is a sham without Herkimer's name on there. <laughs> yeah. If you guys have a patch, his birthday's coming up. Send me one. Shit. We can make one. <laughs> well, the the tomb patch came from a friend of ours. The band is Tomb, and it's they just got the patch, and he just drew it with a white uh, marker, uh, paint marker. Well, I mean, again, we could make one. Probably, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean. Not gonna lie, that would make for like the world's easiest Christmas gift from us is like, here, Ryan, here's a patch for a band that you're the only one who knows yeah. of, and you have the only known patch for. Well, that it would be the second band. It's now that a he collector's item. For. Rare, rare. And he my wears it proudly. So, um, we were talking about patches on the video that actually came out today on the uh, Children of Bodom video. Um, so what? I don't know what you guys think of, like, do you, like, okay, so when it comes to battle vests and patches, what camp are you in as to how you acquire those patches? Are you, like, you have to go to the show to get a patch, or if you're just a fan of the band, just wear the damn patch? Yeah. No, I think Honestly, if you're a fan I'm... of the band, because there's loads of, like, I didn't even get to go to my first show until I was, like, 16. Mm-hmm. 
So I know for a fact there's there's people in communities that they just can't get to show. So I don't think it I don't well, think it matters that you have to go to the show. I think it I think all that matters is that you're a fan of the band and you want to show support for them. And more so to the point, I mean, folks who want like children of Odom patches. Um, yeah, if you're a purist in that form and you didn't go see them, you will never see them ever again. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, hold your purism as high as you can. But that means that band that you love so much and never got a chance to see, you don't get to wear that patch anymore. And it's Mm. kind of stupid, in my opinion, because it's like, I get it. You know, I mean, if you've been to the show and you can boast that that patch came from that show, hey, that's fucking cool, man. But honestly, as far as Battle Vests are concerned, if you at least own one of their albums... I'd say you have rights to wear a patch. Yeah. But because of how music can be streamed and is so easily accessible today, even owning the album is kind of rare. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I bought a CD or an album. The last time I bought a DVD. That's fair. I typically try to buy music from, you know, artists that I want to yeah. support. Yeah. Like if it's a band that has a giant discography that i'm just now being introduced to i i i I will ask a buddy to you know let me borrow their discography (laughs) wink wink um (laughs) and you know it's one of those things where like that's how i consume bands that have giant discographies but Mm -hmm. if it's a new band coming out anytime they drop a new album i'm on it and i buy the shit out of it because i do want to support the musicians Mm-hmm. you know who do make this great music yeah. and yes i will try to be at their show but to be quite fair i don't go to that many shows yeah, i'm me neither. i'm at that age where i'm thinking about you know mudvayne <laughs> rob zombie uh power man 5000 and somebody else like holy shit oh my god coming in one tour and i'm thinking to myself well i need to stay the fuck up out the pit i'm too old for that shit <laughs> well it's also uh fucking concerts are expensive that too even what's what's really funny though and my wife and i were talking about this this is how i talked her into uh going to the warning uh there is a shit ton of shows that are coming that i haven't seen at that ticket level since the 90s like they're cheap cheap shows and they're great bands um so it's like you know everyone's just trying to get people's out to shows now but at the, at the flip side of that, uh, there's shows that are enormously expensive. That I, I Judas Priest was just in town. I no, couldn't go see them because it was like two hundred bucks a ticket. I will never yeah. get to see Judas Priest because I, they've just priced the tickets out of my price range. Well, that's okay. So John Oliver actually, one of his most recent episodes, did a whole segment yep. on ticket pricing, yeah. and it was just it kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, because it's not even the band that's going to set that ticket price. Or then you have people like Justin Bieber who buys their own tickets to scalp mm-hmm. them, so they get a higher percentage of that money in return. I'm like, that's fuck. So they're double they double dip essentially. I'm like that's yep. fucking nuts. Yeah, and like. Can you really blame him because he's only getting this tiny percentage when he's the one putting on the show? Right. I, I, I mean, he's, I don't well, and here's anyway, the thing. but here's like a... the principle is there. <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't really covered in, in Oliver's segment, mm-hmm. which I think is, 
it's a little lax on their their research team, but concerts are expensive to put on. Yeah. So the yeah. artist only getting like this much. Think about where all the rest of that money goes. It goes to the venue. Yeah, it goes to the crew. It goes to renting all the gear. They don't own that stuff. All that mm-hmm. stuff they rent for however long they're putting on the tour. It's travel expenses. It's moving expenses to get all that stuff around. It's big business. But if yeah. you really want to support a band, go to their concert and buy their merch. That's where they make their money. Mm-hmm. That's why the merch is so expensive because go to their it's website. It goes, yeah, if you really want to support them, just go to the website. But yeah, that's why merch, that's why, A, there's always so much merch and why it's it's as spendy as it is because that's where a band makes their money. They don't make it on record sales. They don't make it on, mm-hmm. on tickets. They make yep. it on merch, and that's why yep. they, they push the merch as much as they do. So whenever I go to a concert, if I'm going to support a band, I'll buy a bunch of their merch, and I'll buy... Uh, I'll buy like the high end stuff. I'll buy hoodies and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, I always try to get a hoodie if I can, but I haven't been to a concert since God knows how long. Yeah, I'm really excited because I got two coming up in one week. Oh. Uh, I'm gonna go see. We've been waiting to see Apocalyptica and Lacuna Coil for three oh. years now, nice. or two years. Uh, that nice. show's finally coming to town, and I'm really excited because Lacuna Coil had to cancel a ton of their dates with Apocalyptica. Ah. Uh, but they kept Portland. So I'm like, yes. Fine. And then uh, Danny and I and the wives are going to go meet the warning. Yeah. Yeah. That's- Speaking we of which, have a- you heard their new song? Yes. It's awesome. <laughs> Shit. We did another warning song today um, because we were overwhelmingly requested to do the Enter Sandman cover when they were kids. Right. So we reacted to that today. And then there's few others, but what we're going to do is we're going to take their whole backlog and then put them in it, put it in a jar and pull songs at random until we go through their whole backlog. Which honestly is like the grand total of like maybe 10 songs that I'm okay. privy to. There's not, there's not a world of original material from them. Um, the Enter Sandman thing is what got them YouTube popular. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think their first album they put out was only like four or five tracks. And then they put out the EP of Mayday. Mm-hmm. And then now we got a couple of new tracks coming out. So yeah, there's really, and I'm probably wrong, but I feel like there was only like 10 songs from them. Well, like, we might so like they it. have, they have um, two full albums. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Is that a full album? No, that's an EP. So they got two full albums, two EPs, and then they're working on a new one. I don't know if it's an EP or an album, but um, but Mayday is their newest one. Um, and they just they just released a new single called Money, which is not on anything. Um, and I it's next to Choke. I think it's my favorite that they do. Yeah, that was one of the top recommends. Choke, Evolve, and Disciple were the top requested. So we're going to go through those and then do randomized pulls. Um, Animosity is <laughs> really good, too. Survive is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Needless to say, I I, I bought Mayday, and I, I really haven't been disappointed with a track on it. So it's like... No, so for me, it's really interesting because like their first album, uh, Mayday's more metal than anything that they've done before. Yeah. Like their first album had kind of more of a a punk feel to it. Uh, But you can hear the progression each 
uh, release, they're getting into where they are with Mayday. And I think they're, they're really kind of happy with where they are. And I think they've kind of found their sound. So it'll be interesting, um, especially with this new song with money. Cause it's, it sounds like it could have gone on Mayday. See, so. and the songs that I'm looking forward to hearing is the tracks off of the new psycho stick album and stuff. That is the name of the album. <laughs> and stuff. I like and it. And stuff. <laughs> And it, yeah, I can't wait to hear some of that shit. It, it was on pre-order, and it's like, come on, guys, Aww. get it out <laughs> there, so I can buy it. You fucking jerks. Their fans are die-hard, man, and I'm just like, whoo! If we don't like something, we're gonna get killed. <laughs> what Psycho Sticks fans? No, uh, Warning fans. Oh, oh, gotcha. I think yeah, it's interesting because and I, I wish we we could get the chance to interview them because uh, that'd be fun. and I wanted to do it with uh, Liliac, but they didn't even bother to answer my my email. How uh, dare they? It's kind of rude, right? Totally. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm cool if you don't want to be on the show. I mean, that's fine. But at least respond and say, hey, no, thank you. Your um, show is awful. But to not fucking answer, <laughs> that's just fucking rude. And so fuck Liliac. Fuck them. Honestly, like, uh, Liliac's kind of like going away for me right now. Like that, I understand that they're all young and they're growing and stuff, but it's like their their music is changing, and I'm not really liking the direction it's going mm-hmm. in. But who knows? You know, well, um, that happens. You know. Yeah, not but, everything's um, going to be for everyone. I just I thought it would be fun to talk to a band, and and now warnings out now out of where we could potentially approach them for an interview. But uh, I, I just think it would be fun, especially now to talk to a band who got their following on, on YouTube. We should try to talk to Bloodywood or psycho stick. Well, what are you guys Man. waiting for? Send out interview and <laughs> request. All right. I don't network <laughs> that way. You shit. I'm looking to my radio professionals. <laughs> So you did that shit for 11. Dude, you're on a podcast now. Learn how to send an email. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do that for work. I don't work outside of work, bro. No homework. That's fair. Well, then we're never going to talk to Psycho Stick. Ball's in your court now, homie. <laughs> I don't care. So <laughs> the ones well, I care about, I send emails to. <laughs> did you ever hear back from Jim's future wife? No, I haven't heard back from her. I think, honestly, I don't think that she would do interviews only because I think I get the, I get the sense that she's extremely shy. Yeah. And, and she's the, so sweet. Oh, she <laughs> she's such an angel. I love, I absolutely love uh, watching her. Did you guys see the uh, Spider-Man No Way Out one? No, because I haven't seen the movie no. yet. So I don't. They, wanna... they rented a theater. And she and her yeah. sister did it in the theater, and Aww. it was hysterical. <laughs> well, after now, I see the movie, then I'm about? gonna watch it. Popcorn so her in name bed. is her. Yeah, her name is Cassie, Cassie, and she has she has the channel Popcorn in Bed. Here we are giving her a bunch of free promotion, and she won't respond. Talk to us, Cassie. We'll be nice. We won't swear. <laughs> but well. she is she is quite simply the most innocent uh, person I've ever seen on death. YouTube. She um she basically grew up sheltering herself from all these great movies. She only watched like animated Disney movies and rom-coms 
And apparently she and her husband got in a discussion and she kind of realized that she's missed out on like 30 plus years of amazing movies. So she started this channel where she watches movies for the first time, movies we all know and love. And it is amazing to watch her innocence. What's the channel away. It's called popcorn in bed. And I turned Samantha and Jim onto it. And now Jim is like full on heart on his sleeve in love with this girl (laughs) and samantha said something was like critiquing one of uh her her things and jim just lost (laughs) it's great he was like hey Hey, hey, that's my I, must, wife I will protect her honor. And I was like, what? <laughs> but in the same in the same message, he's like, Yeah, I don't get why she does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, fine, Dick. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair play. Okay. Uh, but what's, I'll have to give what's it a shot. funny, it's her she, the channel is just really adorable and she's it's yeah. really funny. Like, but it's watching some of these movies that I'm like, how could you have like yeah, it kind of blows my mind. That? It just it blows my mind. And then like the amount of knowledge like our podcast, especially when all five of us are together, have about movies collectively. Yeah. And she doesn't know a single thing about them. I'm not it's and that's not a bad thing. It can be because I'm like, how do you not know this already? <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's like, Well, why did they do this? I'm like, Well, if you knew anything about it, it's because this animatronic did this. And I'm just like <sighs> but so that's here's kind of the fun of it. Here's what's really uh like for me, the frustration came when she watched all the Star Wars movies and she kept asking questions. I'm like, ah! but what's really funny is when she watches horror movies, because she doesn't like horror movies, and when she gets scared, it's hysterical. And she has an editor. She covers too. her eyes and then like peeks over her blanket and like it's so funny. <laughs> but like she has an editor too, so she doesn't have to go back and watch rewatch the movie while she's editing. So I'm like, that's so, and fair. the editor that makes will sense. slow down and replay her jumps. Uh... <laughs> so funny outstanding uh, but she doesn't do like a lot of hardcore horror and i don't think she ever will she so, did like, well she will never yeah not like slash try kind of sticks with like classics but um for october she did all horror movies mm-hmm. for for halloween and it was great because she watched she watched like the shining and halloween and yeah like some but, really good classic <laughs> ones but, but watching it's, those... again her innocence because she's watching movies that were like eh, and she's just like oh my god <laughs> Uh, hitting the intended audience. <laughs> it's it, but it's so sweet because it's like she she tried to do the horror, but that was also like the first year because that channel's not been around that long, and uh, so it was her first like Halloween cycle. And I don't know if she's gonna do horror movies like that again. I think she, she really. Will. And here's here's why I think she I hope will. she does. Uh, her Patreon really picks her movies. Mm-hmm. So if they if they put enough. Uh, horror movies up there she'll watch them she won't like it but she'll yeah. she'll watch them my recommendation um, would be elvira mistress of the dark yes she should watch that movie she didn't right watch now. it but i would love it if she watched the exorcist that would freak her the hell out pretty sure you'd you know break that, that poor, poor child that would traumatize yeah, I, her i don't <laughs> it's so funny we're talking about old school horror movies i don't know if you can see or not a little bit but my screen wallpaper is the horror movie monsters so oh okay Frankenstein's in the middle and all of them yeah it's all the classics oh yeah yeah that's that's my background universal fucking love the universal monsters can't help it but yeah i love them too i really do 
What do you think of the the Universal Universal trying to like reboot that whole? I'm all universe? about it. With respect, if they would I'd do it right, I wouldn't well, mind it. But they haven't done it right. Well, here's the thing: they did the Mummy right back in 1999. Yeah, I agree. But that was with, uh, with Brendan Fraser. Yeah, no, that's of a number love, two. Love that freaking movie. A banger movie. of a number two, and everything after that we just don't talk about. Yeah, but I agree. <laughs> at the same time, it's like, yeah, they did a great job there. And then it's like, I remember the Robert De Niro Frankenstein. I actually really enjoyed that movie growing up. Um, the uh, Gary Oldman Dracula was, again, I enjoyed that movie growing up. Did not age but, well. But those aren't. But the, I enjoyed it. Those aren't the ones I'm talking about, though. You're talking oh, about the, the, like the Tom Cruise mummy? Yeah, the Tom Cruise and, mummy. Yeah. Was it uh, Benicio oh, Del Toro? Yeah, the Benicio, but that one was the really Wolfman, good. The Wolfman, that was Anthony awful. Hopkins. Ooh, and yeah, that, was that movie was so good. I liked that one a lot. The Wolfman? Yes. Oh, I liked, what is wrong? I liked with, did you hit your head? No, that movie was really good. <laughs> no, it was terrible. <laughs> that movie was really werewolf. good. Hi. It was good. Hi, buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. A resident group. What? What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Looking great, brother. We're talking the modern um, take on Universal monsters that they're trying to reboot that world, and how that's going. Which is to say, not great. Well, See, I think I think when they when they were making the movies, but they weren't putting them in that that universe uh, again. Like Danny said, the Gary Oldman uh, Dracula uh, didn't age well, but it was a fantastic movie. Yeah, uh, De Niro's Frankenstein again, great. Uh, the Mummy with Brendan Fraser, fantastic. But then they redo it again with Tom Cruise, and it sucks to high heaven. Uh, the Wolfman apparently were split on, um, <laughs> but that one came out before and technically wasn't part of the reboot for that universe, though. No, so, but it's because it's one of the only ones that never actually got a genuine reboot. Because, mm-hmm. like, we've had American Werewolf in London, we've had American Werewolf in Paris, we've had werewolf movies. But we never officially got a Wolfman reboot until the Benicio del Toro one, and yeah, I'm, I, I I love you, Sam, but I'm going to side with James on this. That's one. That, fine. That I one and honestly, it. how can it you? How can you pile of dog shit? How can you? How can you do <laughs> uh, that movie after you see the masterclass that was American Werewolf yeah. in London? Yeah, I well, mean, you want to reboot the Wolfman? Use that. Yeah. And, material. Side note, Gary Which Oldman, uh, <laughs> all sides, uh, Gary Oldman's Dracula and American Werewolf in, in London, um, Popcorn in Bed also did reactions to both of those. So, <laughs> Yes, that's right. She did do American Werewolf in London. Outstanding. It was fantastic. She did not like the transformation scene at all. Wait, yeah, which, which again is another like thing. Finger which is another thing that's like infuriating because I'm like, do you have any idea how iconic that is and the reason yeah. why? <laughs> Fucking gorgeous. It is still hands down like, and, it's, still and the best. it's it's years and it it is aged beautifully. Oh yeah, like uh, the effects on that are so amazing it, it is still it hands down is my favorite all-time werewolf movie simply for that transformation that's so fair good. that's fair i would say the only other werewolf movie in my uh, uh rolodeck that even comes close to it is dog soldiers 
Oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. That's a great werewolf movie. Yeah. And has my I... favorite line I've ever heard in any werewolf movie. He's about to get eaten by this werewolf, and he looks at him and screams, I hope I give you the shits. Oh, yeah. Fair. At Perfect. that point, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you go out like a badass. <laughs> but it's, you know what's what's interesting is we keep going back to... Uh, the the zombie thing has kind of run its course for a bit, mm-hmm. um, but we we always go back to these tropes. It's vampires, werewolves, zombies. Vampires. It's the werewolves, monsters zombies. in the dark are the funner ones to play with. Well, it's also I think it's it's also social commentary. I mean, largely when when you know zombies come out, it's usually Romero used it as a. Uh, famously as a uh, commentary on capitalism um but vampires are usually (laughs) vampires are usually the 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 creature of the 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 time when it's like we're going through some sort of sexual revolution you know buffy was big when when we were really starting to see gay marriage being tackled you know what i mean i suppose but what about Frankenstein? Is it the cautionary tale of medical science getting too far ahead of natural order? What's well, interesting you bring that up because Frankenstein isn't like a running theme. It's like a one-off thing. So whenever we do, whenever Frankenstein comes up or something similar to Frankenstein, it's just kind of like thrown in the mix. And a lot of times it's, it's largely lost. Uh, Reanimator is a great, sort of Frankenstein-esque um, type movie, but it's completely lost in the 80s where vampires and zombies were kind of fighting for domination. Well, it I doesn't help that it was an H.P. Lovecraft story, so it was a, a level of weird that some folks just couldn't get into. But you can also argue it's the only Lovecraft uh, story that's been adapted to film well. Wait, which and one? multiple times. Reanimator. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, no. Are we forgetting who Mary Shelley is? I was very confused for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, false. (laughs) But I I see Frankenstein is very much a commentary on... um... Samantha and I actually did a Frankenstein commentary. We did it for uh, that Aaron Eckhart one that was just awful. (laughs) Oh, that's why I don't remember. (laughs) There are multiple Frankenstein movies that are just. I think I think we did it right before Dylan Dog, which actually surprised us with oh how good gosh, that yeah. was. Oh wow! We were I expecting a piece of shit, and it was time. actually really we were like, good. <laughs> <laughs> "It's not supposed to. You're not supposed to be good." But I see Frankenstein as it's it's a um, a commentary and sort of acceptance of people that are different than you. Because remember, the child was like didn't see Frankenstein as a monster; it was just another creature that like people deserve care and love, despite what outer appearance they have. Like similar to Elephant Man. Like so, <laughs> essentially, you're saying that um, the L-B-G-T-Q-A-B-C-D community. Oh, careful now. <laughs> if it's if it's about acceptance, I mean that it seems like that's a horror icon that they should be. But I, 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 if it comes to Frankenstein, I think that Frankenstein is a commentary about playing God. 
especially when when Mary Shelley was was really working through those themes. I mean, medical science was in its infancy and and she was sort of taking it to the extreme. What what can we possibly do with this? Can we become God? Can we create life out of it? And I think that that scene with the girl reminds the the reader and then obviously the viewer that it's not the monster's fault. He's a monster. That, that there is something inherently innocent about the creature. The, the true monster in the book is the doctor who, mm. who went against God's will and believed that he could create life. Well, also plays God, plays God in the fact that he creates life and then abandons it. Right. And so, so I, I, I do, I mean, I, I do think that that acceptance thing is really key to the story because it's, it's Mary Shelley basically saying, look, the creature is not inherently bad. The creature just is. And, and this child can see the good in that. But the citizens couldn't. All they saw was the monster. They saw the exterior. They saw everything else. But really, the true monster was Dr. Frankenstein who created this creature who lived a life of nothing but suffering and then obviously caused suffering so because what do you of guys, how it was treated. What, what do you guys think is the best? Concede to that point, though, Travis, because I think you're absolutely right on that. I think, too, it also, in a small respect, might also fall under the nature versus nurture. When you create something like a child, yeah, yeah I mean, mentally, you that have book to could... nurture it, but naturally speaking, it's not inherently bad. So you're saying the book was Mary Shelley's daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My work is done here. <laughs> Bye, Trav. Thanks for joining Bye, us. Anytime. Really See you next time. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I am sure that, that some of that came into play. But, it, but again, I think... But even if you step uh, one more step back, then it's a commentary on a loving God versus an ambivalent God, right? That, that when man plays God, he doesn't have, or at least at the time, she believed that man doesn't have the capacity for, for complete and total um, love. And the doctor proves it. And I think that that's one of the failing things about playing God. Now, I think that the Frankenstein remakes, I think that the story doesn't stand up as well in today's society because we're kind of okay with medical science playing God. You know, we kind of are fine with, hey, if you can figure out a way to extend my lifespan another 20, 30, 40 years, great. If you can figure out... I mean, there are people that freeze their bodies or, or have their heads cut off and have them frozen waiting for science to bring them back to life and cure them of their ailments, Walt Disney. And <laughs> what? Look at me and too, WD. So, so I don't think that, and I think that we are a more secular society now too. Whereas when, when this original source material hit, we were more of a fearful of God's wrath thing yeah. and messing with those types of things. So it doesn't scare us that way anymore. Right. I think, I think Dracula still scares us or the concept of it, but at the same time, we have come to want to be the monster. We no longer fear Dracula. 
We want to become Dracula. I mean, if you look at, at Interview with a Vampire, that that is nothing but like goth source material. It's like who doesn't want to join that group after watching that movie? It's yeah. it's beautiful. It's romantic. It's romanticized. Yet, it's you know, the, the cautionary well. tale is, hey, look at all the shit that comes with it, right? You you think it's all beauty and 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 everlasting power and and knowledge and uh, no it it has a cost and it's and and i think that still okay. kind of unsettles us but i think it's why we still go back to to vampires i think that werewolves are interesting um as far as a modern werewolf film you're not going to get an argument with me on on american werewolf in paris or in london uh, it's it. You were about right. to get slapped if you said. Sorry, no, 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 London. London. The, the, just the, the, bitch. the transformation scene alone is worth the price of any cinema admission. It is just, it is, it is what we all envisioned it could be, and then we saw it, and it was better than we ever imagined it to be. So it really cemented that transformation from man to beast, and. The, but but me i and you guys can laugh all you want but i love the underworld series and the fight between vampires and lichens and 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 that, that uh, i'm sorry to cut you off travis but if you're going to say lichens you have to say it correctly lichens lichens but it but but i think that 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 Again, I think it's a, it's a, 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 a an allegory for us struggling with the beast within, struggling with our own monsters and demons, and knowing that under the right circumstances, we are all capable of of horrific deeds, and that's that. I think is what the Wolfman is, but but I don't think that anybody has really captured that in story again. And really explored it from that side, the, the terror of allowing that beast to come out and then dealing with the, the consequences of it, the, the aftermath when you return back into human form. And, and I think if we can find somebody, if that story can, can come back at that core, I think that the werewolf story, the wolfman story, I think it, 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 it could be a popular film trope again, but sure. but if it's just about the effects and seeing that transformation and everything, man, it's been done to perfection, and it's pretty hard to top. Yeah, no, I'm with well, you. And on even that one. yeah, even American Werewolf in London kind of dealt with the consequences too, because I mean that bit. yeah he 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 was suffering from. You could argue that he was having crazed delusions, but even though he wasn't aware of it at the time, he knew he killed those people and they're appearing to him as spirits was his conscience going, hey. But but what I'm going to say to that fact, though, I mean, honestly, I love the idea of breaking down kind of the psyche more around it, because let's face it. You know, Jack in American Werewolf in London kind of becomes comical at some extent. Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
like his face being torn open and he's like hello david you know with the mickey mouse it's kind of funny because they were friends you know and he would be talking to him this way and i get that but i'm more on board with the idea of following the genuine like psychological repercussions mm-hmm. of knowing what you did not from a spiritual point of view but just from a oh fuck jesus what the hell did i just do and, and again I, terms I, with it and then realizing oh man in like three more weeks it's gonna happen again and again i think american werewolf did it they did it in a very humorous manner See, and, and i they, think bringing the I, I don't think they, they did it the way the that back yeah we're talking about but they did touch and, on it they just didn't that wasn't the the point of the movie but I, I think, think that, that's why it was such a but I think I think you're I think you're both right. I think if we had a werewolf movie that focused its its sort of moral uh, of the tale on the fact that like like the vampire thing is like there's a cost to this. Right. You know, and and what is what is the the consequences? You know, See, I think how, how do you I, deal with that? I think a modern day retelling of a wolfman or a werewolf story would be if the viewer was never sure throughout the entire movie whether he really turned into a wolf or not. That that you're always sort of is this happening in his head? He's committing heinous acts, and this is how his head is kind of trying to process it. That you know, they he did believes... a video game similar to that. Uh, the video game was called The Suffering. Yeah. And uh, it basically took place in a prison. And this guy apparently had turned into this giant monster and killed his wife and daughter. And they sent him to prison for it. Well, all these weird creatures start showing up in the prison and he gets out. And he uses that monster to kind of, you know, kill the creatures. But towards the end they start to ask the question it's like is is that what you really think is happening because yeah no i think i just had another brilliant not another podcast movie idea (laughs) (laughs) so okay we start the movie with this guy going to the police covered in blood he admits to murder And they lock him up, and the whole movie is like three weeks, three or four weeks investigation into this guy's crimes, and he keeps claiming, I change, I change, I change. And he gives us the whole tale through interviews and stuff, so we can dramatize him, but the police keep saying, oh, he's crazy, he's out of his mind, but at the very end, he turns into a werewolf and breaks out and kills everyone at the police department. They're like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, shit, he wasn't lying. Yeah, I'm getting flashes back of um, the Wolf of Snow Hollow, which I don't think you guys have seen yet, but mm-hmm. it's it's a horror comedy, and there's a slew of murders, and it's happening. The whole town is like it's a werewolf, it's a werewolf, it's a werewolf, and the ch- the police chief who's dealing with some some issues is like it's not a goddamn werewolf and so he's like no and the whole town is like it's so it's a werewolf it's a werewolf guy like i'm telling you and then it goes from there i don't want to say too much because then i would give away spoilers but you know what was an oddly enjoyable uh werewolf movie with a lot of horrible sequels was the original howling (laughs) oh yeah i love the howling I love the oh, idea that it was a I couldn't pack handle of werewolves. the cute Pomeranian werewolf at the end. Yep. Yeah, that was, was shitty. Gross. Yeah. 
And but the funniest fucking decision. scene was, I found the file. I'll take that. It's like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> to me, still, my favorite scene is when she cuts off the werewolf's hand and it turns back into a human hand right in front of her. <laughs> but the whole concept uh, of just changes in front of the, the television cameras and then they shoot her. But it, it wasn't even that. It was to me. It was the fact that it was a pack of werewolves because wolves run in packs. So it would make sense that it's not a single wolf. It's a pack of wolves. So I think that would be an interesting if they could do it right. A, an interesting thing of maybe a roving band of I don't know bikers who are hmm. werewolves, and everywhere they go, there's these these string of murders, but they can never pin it on the bikers. Because the bikers there. disappear when the murders happen. Uh, and Travis, you can play the chieftain. Yay! <laughs> You've already they'd, got the vest and everything. They'd never guess I was a werewolf. Does <laughs> hurt. They'd look at you and go, nah, that's too easy. Nah. Put <laughs> <laughs> on the nose, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. No. Can't be him. Moving on. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't mind the idea of, of the classic universal monsters. I'm actually kind of shocked. They haven't done a creature from the black lagoon sort of reboot. Hey, Samantha, you should submit your, your story as a basis for. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm taking that out of short story form and I'm going to save it for something else, but yeah, that, that could definitely convert to that since our last conversation on writing why we never got another creature from the black lagoon reboot like of all the reboots not been as popular we've seen hollow man which was a reboot of the invisible Invisible man Man, yeah yeah we've seen dr jekyll mr hyde a couple of different variations not many um again wolfman at least got the benicio del toro treatment but there had Mm -hmm. been many werewolf movies up till that point I mean, Dracula, you know, the mummy and all the major monsters have all gotten some form or another of a reboot, except the creature from the Black Lagoon. I just just think I I was going to say, I don't know. And I mean, I'm sure that there are makeup artists out there that could do amazing things, but I just don't see anybody buying it. I think for some reason, we, a modern day audience, has a much easier time suspending disbelief for those other concepts, right? But they bought but, the shape of water. Y- yeah, but were they? Yeah, but that wasn't really a horror so a much movie? as a really, really, really weird romance movie. Yeah. Fuck a fish. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I. So I, I just don't. Shape know. of water could be the prequel to creature. <laughs> there you go. Well, but you know, he- if they made it. <laughs> the monster looked good. I mean, you know, so yeah, for I, the I, time it looks great. And- Oh, yeah. And you could argue see. that you could you could CGI a very believable creature. So, I think the problem is 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 story, right? It's because setting up the story of that. All the other monsters have some sort of message, lesson, yeah. mirror that they're holding back up to society, right? They're all or they're, they're all a tale in about historical us. relevance, right? But even then, they they were designed to to for a purpose right creature from the black lagoon what does it represent what does it what do we look at and and find the fear within ourselves the environment 
And that's that's the only thing I was going to say is all of a sudden, if you make it a climate change movie, fuck you. Fuck you and your production company. I am so done with heavy-handed environmental fucking cautionary tales. So if you bring out the creature of the Black Lagoon and it's black because BP spilled oil, fuck you. No, it was black. He just needs some dawn. Well, and honestly, you can't you can't really put it in the environment thing because the Godzilla movies kind of own that now. See. Well, okay. You know, Godzilla was when Godzilla first came out. That was that was a a nuclear Nuclear. cautionary tale. But that has not since turned into a climate change, especially with the last few movies. Give Putin a few more weeks, and they're going to be rewriting that Godzilla versus (laughs) Kong sequel. (laughs) It started in Ukraine. Yep. But you know, I mean, honestly, you're not wrong in that respect. Now, to what I understand of watching the creature from the black lagoon it wasn't necessarily that it was a cautionary tale about much of anything except exploring things that were meant to be isolated from humans um and it was delving too deep too greedily again essentially and what the creature was was he was kind of the missing link between us and fish you know in the regards of the creature that originally crawled out the ocean and eventually evolved into us well, these ones crawled out with them, but found this nice little safe haven and never needed to evolve past the point that they were at. And, and you can argue that, it, that when we found the Black Lagoon, uh, we woke his ass up and he was none too happy about it. But and then you can argue that uh, that that trope has since been redone. We've had the abyss. We've had Leviathan. We had underwater with Kristen Stewart. But honestly, if but you're it's, that, give me, it's that same trope. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to give me that same press uh, premise, then give me the scariest Bigfoot movie that we've ever seen, because it's, it, it could be the same story. And at right. least that's based off a legend that there are tons of people that still believe in. So oh, if, if we end up doing that, it's like we were never and meant Big to go Jim in this part it. of the, the woods. And they did. And they awoke the Sasquatch. And it's pissed. Or just then, ran into him. Yeah, then there's the same life. movie. But it, I think it's it's the same movie that a, a modern era, at least our audiences, could uh, wrap their head around or at least accept better than a fish monster. I think one thing that we really need when it comes to these types of movies is really good care of of the script and dialogue because that is missing so hardcore in like the bigger the production. I feel the less care they take in the writing and for these types of movies to be successful, the writing has to be spot on. Yeah. The story's Mm -hmm. gotta, I mean, the story's gotta be, the dialogue has to be natural. It has to flow. It has to be clever. It can't just hammer you over the head because no one wants that. We have enough of it. So like things have to be done in a clever manner and there's not many studios, big, big studios that care enough about dialogue that care enough. They just want to get it out and get their money. Fair. Spoken like a true writer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for attempted uh, writer. To, uh, you know, yeah, we, we established you so are an some, a, you know, Marvel Studio esque Universal monsters. That's all I'm saying. 
Well, they're trying to do that. And it's just, it, and it's the whole like, oh, well, the, there's, there's so many movies that I have said in any sort of critique is the movie was beautiful. It was shot well. It was gorgeous to look at. But the story was shit. Yep. Dialogue yeah. Was unfortunately, there's just far too many of those where it's like, uh, so many. here's something pretty to look at, but it's not it's not entertaining because we don't give a shit about story. Like, what is yeah. it? Uh, Jupiter Rising is a great example of that trash heap, but gorgeous to look at. I mean, now, like the graphics didn't age. Jupiter Ascending. Yes, that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and, you know, um, I would also argue Avatar because I don't think that movie was that great. Gorgeous when it came out. Not a good movie. <laughs> I'm with you. That movie was, I, I think uh, Avatar was suffered okay. from what you were talking about, about yeah. like that beating you over the head with a hammer. Cause that movie was so much about, Hey, it's the environment kind of thing. And it was just like so much in your face that it was like, mm-hmm. Oh, dances with wolves. With uh, I was going to say it was dances with wolves. It yeah. was, it's the same story. Yeah. You White know? savior. Ho. Yep. But it was also, it was also so much about the environment. You know, so uh, yeah, I I don't know, uh, but it was like again, there's there's far too many movies that suffer from. Here's something really pretty to look at, and I honestly I think horror movies suffer from it the most because it's like we just want to get to the scares, we don't give a shit about story. Yeah, all the jump scares well... that you can see coming from a mile away, but yeah. I mean, you, you have some you have some movies, some of the modern horror movies. I mean, what uh, was it? Hereditary. Um, and then look at the Jordan Peele stuff. Oh, yeah. Which which the witch. is a yeah, little heavy handed sometimes, but I get it. Um, that's that's those are the first of what I'm hoping is a new trend where they're really paying more attention to the story. But. But you guys, you, you bring up an interesting point, and that is if the if the the classic monsters all represented things that 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 population was afraid of at the time, and this was a way of sort of couching their fears and embodying them in a particular monster. What would represent a modern day monster, and what would what would it be? The embodiment of what's what's the, what is the the mirror that it's holding up to us nowadays? See, I think I think that that was answered. What with, scares uh, us? I think that was answered with Midsummer. Midsummer is is a complete is a movie about a mad cult, and that's really holding up a mirror to society and going, "Look what you're becoming." Yeah, you know. I mean, we we are living right now in a very cult-like society. I actually thought it was the opposite. I thought it was the fear came from not understanding another way of life and seeing it as evil when they're completely peaceful with themselves. They have a thing they do that is none too savory, but the only reason we think it's bad is because we're not a part of it. But again, that's that's holding up a mirror to society going hey look protests they're all okay with with what they're doing you know there's the peaceful protesters but then there's the people who come out to incite the violence because hey that's okay by them you know i mean it is yeah i mean arguably it's, it's a very loose 
right thing but, but, but i, I mean, think it's, that you are it's right there. it is it's an allegory for that but i mean can is there anything in modern society that fears us to, that 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 freaks us out that we're afraid of that at night we really really concern ourselves about that we could embody in a monster a creature something that really shoves it back in our face all encompassing and what would that monster be for some reason hellraiser and pinhead is coming to mind but i don't have like a direct reason but that's just what's flashing in my head i i i no i mean i I think those stand up still i mean i think that those are the decadence Right. It's, de- it's, it's, it's the oh, right. seven deadly sins, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the embodiment of the things that we want to explore that will destroy us, the taboos in our world that we want to indulge in. And we know that there are those within us, with, among us that do indulge in it. And it terrifies us because there's part of us that wants it, but we yeah. don't want to pay the cost. Can I just say really quick that I'm super excited for the new one? When's it due? Uh, I don't know, but the fact that they're getting Jamie Clayton, a transgender actress, to play Pinhead has me beyond thrilled because in the original book, Pinhead was genderless, looked male, sounded feminine. Interesting. And if you really look at Jamie Clayton, like just in her eyes, uh, it, her eyes there's something about her eyes that say she could go there <laughs> so i'm very excited for that i can't wait to i haven't seen any production stills or anything but i think they're in the middle of filming or they just finished didn't um, they just have a tv show or something like some, they had some new hellraiser stuff that just there was a, I didn't there, watch any of it there i haven't heard of anything about a tv show but they did the last movie that they did was actually kind of interesting Mm -hmm. it was an interesting take on it where like update it was originally supposed to be released in 2022 under hulu the tv show the new hellraiser with jamie clayton okay yeah it's coming out like i think this year but yeah it's supposed um, to release date 2022 on hulu well, we still got a few months left of 2022. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we got this. Right. Uh, uh, but getting back, yeah, I, I forget. <clears throat> I, I want to say it was called Judgment. It was Hellraiser Judgment. And it was, uh, so you die and, or, and you're brought before this guy who types out all your crimes and then someone comes else, someone else comes in and then eats all the paper and like absorbs all your crimes and sins and then pukes it up and it's this whole weird thing but it basically determines your punishment in hell and it turns out it's being run by heaven it it's really weird um but i liked it i i thought it was such a unique take on the whole hellraiser mythos but overall it just doesn't fit with the hellraiser mythos what do you guys think as far as modern day monsters go, what do you guys think? Where does Jigsaw place? See, I don't and, know. That and what does he a represent? He re- he's the spirit of vengeance, but he's the spirit of vengeance that you wish you could take upon yourself. See, I'm gonna the, I'm gonna the use thing about Jigsaw is hold on. The thing about him is 
is he was so angry at the people who misused their lives when he had so very little time left after living his life, his anger and regret at his own existence made him turn into a spirit of vengeance on those who he felt wasted their lives. So again, it's kind of one of those serial killer meets the spirit of vengeance kind of scenario. See, I'm going to, I'm going to use Danny's definition of a monster here. There's nothing supernatural about jigsaw he's just okay. a man okay so i can't i can't define him as a monster great psychopath yeah he really but, is whoa 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 then what about frankenstein's monster because that's science not supernatural well the simple fact is we have yet to be able to sew bits and pieces of people back together in a hole after all pieces have died Right, but just because we haven't scientifically been able to do it doesn't mean that it's supernatural. The premise was he had used science to do it. He did not summon a demon. He did not use magic. He was using man's science and going far beyond what 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 science at the time would allow him I'm to do. I'm going to argue that at that rate, it's still theoretical science, not real science. So it's science fiction, not horror. Well, it's so he's not a monster he's just but he is a creature that is supernatural by nature because the body don't work that way i agree to disagree because supernatural means beyond nature and yeah. and science is not beyond nature science is is the Found manipulation nature. of nature but it is not beyond nature. And I think vampires, werewolves, mummies. Yeah, again, those by are Danny's own definition, nature. I'm going to side with Travis on this one. But by again, your own definition, it don't work that way, guys. So it is. But, but we but don't again, know it's that. Science, it's, it's more science fiction it. than, it is, than it is supernatural. Right. Oh, it's Because he's not summoning again. a soul to put into that body. He's so reawakening he's, the cells of a dead body. So when Jules Verne wrote about a man landing on the moon because we hadn't done it yet, that's supernatural to you? No. Because, because we hadn't done it in yet. In the realm of physics, homie. It wasn't at the time. All right. So what I'm going to propose to you is right. when it comes to cellular degeneration of a corpse, by definition of how things operate in a human body, as that we, we are know well aware of, of them now, now as we have been aware of them as an ever-growing learning structure since Mary Shelley put this structure together, the simple fact is the pieces that he sewed back together cannot come back. They are dead tissue, and they cannot be revived, no matter how hard we try. Otherwise, when people just die of a heart attack, we'd be able to snap them back to life, no problem, and they'd right. be fine. And so at the time that Jules Verne like wrote, that back together as does the not compute. Jules Traveling Verne to another location people to the moon, we Travis, did not have the ability Travis, to send people to the moon. I love you to death. There's a difference between what is possible and what is theoretically possible, but not really. But theoretically possible is still science. It is not supernatural. So the invisible man is science to you? Possibly. 
What if there is something? Absolutely. No, 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 no. Absolutely. What if we can find a way that it refracts the, the, the scene around it in the cellular tissue? When we start talking about genetics and gene splicing and all the things that we are toying with, Theoretically, yes. The Invisible Man, possibly. Theoretically, but it's could not a happen. horror movie. Then it's a science fiction. It is film. horror. Oh my gosh! Here we go with horror definition. But no, 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 no. It can <laughs> be. And that's where we're crossing it, hairs. No, 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 no. No, you, is the we're crossing on your very narrow definition that a monster has to be supernatural, and I am saying that is false. It doesn't because Frankenstein doesn't fit your definition of supernatural frankenstein's monster excuse me <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's not a monster but there are monsters that are not supernatural and that's and and that's all i'm saying is i think that if, if we widen that out a little process, though as the movies are what they are we could also argue that dracula is not supernatural either because that you is could. A you could that people have right, and you, they, could, you could claim that it's prophyria. So and you could say and that people have excess hair of growth, absolutely and tendencies to be more violent than others. So, so again, you are you are that you are, definition of how you're breaking apart Frankenstein. There are no such thing as monsters, Danny. You're twisting. You're now twisting no, the no, definition. No, 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 no. no to I'm fit saying, your narrative. Right. No, I'm, I'm just saying, saying at this rate, that a monster is still a monster if it doesn't have a supernatural side to it. It can still be a monster. Monsters can be both. I, think I use that, that reference when I'm talking about movies. I oh, but even in movies, <laughs> it can be both. But that's where these creatures, like a lot of, like, that's how these creatures came to like large masses was through movies, though. Yeah. So. And again, for and I, me, it's a movie definition of what I consider to be that. Now, is it possible? Fuck anything's possible. I don't give a shit. I mean, for fuck's sake, we can figure out superhero powers too. But at the same time, I won't count them as a horror movie. So a zombie in some of the movies... is just Frankenstein in a large mass with viral outbreak. Okay. Viral. So it's a virus. Uh -huh. so that's not supernatural. Typically. That's science, so they're not monsters by your definition. Well, except the fact that they're bones walking around. But sure, sure, we'll run with that. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying they don't exist or exist. I'm just, I'm just saying that they don't have to have a supernatural edge to be a monster. Well, and again, because, it's, because it's here's what I was going to bring preference. up, and they are more of a villain. But I also think that they're a monster and a modern day monster and another allegory for us in society. And I'm going to bring up the Borg from Star Trek. What a terrifying concept of man yeah. melding with machine and having a hive mind that they are all linked together and thinking with one brain. Losing and your individuality, yeah. Monsters. And, and, and again, if, I, if I, they aren't, if I, if I abide by your definition, but they are. They're absolutely That's the thing. Monsters. I never thought the board were scary. Well, I mean, but we never defined right monsters place, as right scary. Time. I mean, I think that, that we were talking about horror movies, and that's yeah. how I was defining my horror movies. But even the but now we're just talking monsters. Element. But right, and and 
I think that in the right setting, the Borg can be fucking terrifying. But I think that the vehicle that they were introduced in, they are more of a creepy villain, right? Um, but they are terrifying. Wasn't there a movie where they did that with somebody? And it wasn't Reanimator; it was something else. But I remember Virus. What's that? Virus with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's essentially the Borg, like a horror version of the Borg. Terribly done. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. No, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't done as well as it could have been. No, but it wasn't bad. It was just one of those things where it's like, don't get me wrong. It's a personal preference of mine. That when I'm defining a horror movie for me, I typically like to say a horror movie has something supernatural about it. But oh, again, yeah. I what about the xenomorph and alien? I can piece apart every aspect of that belief structure by saying, well, ghosts could be scientifically proven. You know, angels could be scientifically proven. Demons could be scientifically proven. Every part that you're saying is absolutely true. But if you watch for Prometheus, me, for a movie, the xenomorph was created. Honestly, it's weird. I actually was never scared of the movie Alien, so I always thought of it more of a sci-fi film than a horror film. But wow, again, it's a sci-fi Aliens, yeah. The second one on, we're a little bit I different. You're right. The very first one, no, was that's a straight-up monster horror movie. movie. Yeah, and, and, and it I is give a monster you that, movie. But I think a part of my brain, because that's what we're arguing right now. It is that if it was an alien, no, <laughs> there is much more room for potential possibility than there would be, again, sewing a corpse back together and having it spark back or having corpses just, you know, get cut in half and still function, you know, so stuff like that. I was able to kind of pull a little bit further back. So alien aliens and everything on total sci-fi never really considered them horror. But I did consider them like horror sci-fi because they are scary. But for my money, it was like us versus nature rather than us versus something supernatural. You know what I mean? And I'm sure my definitions are off. But again, this is just how I see entertainment and movie values. (laughs) Well, and and I think that that might be one of the reasons why people are having a tough time rebooting the classic monsters or creating new ones, because I think that we are a society that has lost any belief truly in the supernatural. And the, you know, generations back, they still had folklore. They still were scared of the, the old grim fairy tales and the, and the, the, oh, yeah. the, the creepy legends that we don't have on any modern folklore right we don't well we've got marvel universe i guess well, that no, counts. We, got, we got folks trying to come out with stuff like again and i'll give them free press every time we talk about horror movies but creepypasta we got new short folklorists who are coming up with stupid shit that is creating its own mythos when it of itself i mean again we talked about slenderman last week that oh, is dude. a modern folklore it is stupid in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it is happening. So there are still things that we, as our society, are afraid of. We just don't get to see them on the big screen. Not typically. Slenderman took a while, but in its movie was awful. But <laughs> we've had I kind of some... liked it. Let's oh, say man, It I Follows would fall under that modern it. folklore, too. But again, video yeah. games are our yeah. folklore as well. So movies like Silent Hill, the very first one, 
brilliant But example. It Follows was such an on-the-nose really fucking was. STD movie. No, it was. It was 100%. It was like, if God, you have sex, oh, you, you can get it to oh, Ew. Yeah, that was yeah. awful. That was awful. So, I, well, they should have just called it herpes and been yeah, yeah right. Herpes, herpes the, the demon. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just saying it, it would fall under the modern folklore as well, like right alongside with Slenderman. But um, yeah, the cautionary tale. Yeah, and uh, Travis had asked a question earlier, and I thought of a, a creature like like a demon. Like, what are we really afraid of? We're like right now in our society, especially, we're afraid of not being noticed. We're afraid of being left behind. We're afraid of not being seen. So, a demon that stalks you but ignores you, just to drive you crazy. Horror movie? Why is it not killing me? Hey, hey, I'm right here. Pay attention to me. <laughs> Why'd you oh. kill my sister and not me? Fuck Terrifying. you, monster. That's my idea. Not that good means, enough for you. Honestly? But no, you're right. I mean, imagine if there was a this monster that slaughtered everything around you and walked past you like you didn't exist. And you were of that millennial narcissistic selfie generation. And they didn't, it didn't even pay you any mind. But, but everything that you loved or thought, you know, cared about is being slaughtered in front of you. So I think that would be a better movie past. if, like, you got cursed or you had a cursed item in your house. The, <laughs> the ladle of minor inconvenience was right. in your house. <laughs> and inconveniently, you were just constantly ignored. You know, that's the only other thing I can think of that you. might quantify as like a modern horror movie that also uh, really Samantha, i think they did that with the movie unfriended is um a little bit yeah the only thing i can think of is you're right an acknowledgement of belief like basically being told that yeah you've heard about this and it turns out they were right and now you don't have any way to avoid it or disavow it or anything like that and see this it, it's in front of your face it's like taking the show messiah and turning it into a horror movie i was just gonna say that danny i think i think a modern horror movie has got to play on on faith on belief systems to an extent that and that would scare the shit them. out of people yeah, to be exactly. like more so oh. the lack of it and realizing where you are as the audience going huh Especially because, as we become a more secular society, right. like Travis said, where, you know, uh, belief in higher powers or religion or what have you are, are going away as we become more uh, educated about away. how <laughs> nature works. I think a, a truly terrifying horror movie would have to be based in some sort of religious uh circle just the idea that if you were told that you were right and all the people who believed you were wrong where do you fall so you know what i mean the argument i have to that is that (laughs) we're seeing this happen now with with you know ufos and stuff and things are being proven the navy has come out and been like yeah no nothing that no, no technology that we make today can do what this thing does and people are still ignoring it <laughs> they're just like nope not dealing with it don't want to talk about that so even if like 
Jesus himself comes back, there's going to be a huge group of people. It's going to be like, nope, 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 that's not happening. I don't know. I think that ultimately that's the take that I had when I when I finished watching Don't Look Up. Everybody thought it was this, you know, great satire on where we are as a generation. And I was so fucking depressed when I was done with it. (laughs) I I watched watched it because of that reason. This goddamn documentary, this sequel to Idiocracy (laughs) that I didn't need from Ken fucking Burns just showed us what we are and nobody fucking gets it. Oh, this is horrible. Hated it. But it was spot on. It was absolutely, it was so spot on that it was heartbreaking. And that's I think that's why we enjoyed Danny brought up Messiah. I think that's why we enjoyed that so much because it is so much of, if, if Jesus truly came back, that is exactly what would happen. It would be so many people just like blindly following this guy who may or may not be the Messiah. Well, at the same time, all these people trying to disprove. But (laughs) I am going to throw back to what Samantha said and that also is the writing because every single episode you are convinced, you know, Oh, absolutely. He's the Messiah. Oh, wait, there's absolutely yeah. no fucking way. He's the Messiah. Oh, wait, Nope. He's the Messiah. Oh no. He's yeah, not. The and Messiah. we went back and forth every on fucking episode. And here's you, what you can't, you can't nail it down. And here's what pissed right? me off. And that's the, the right. The three of us talked about this and this would have been so great. Had they not canceled it. If it turned out that he wasn't, yep, but then, he was actually the devil, and, and the the true Messiah was like the guy who was in the the mosque when it blew up. We talked about this great twist that the Messiah didn't truly know he was the Messiah, and here's the devil leading all these people using using the story of Jesus and leading them into this. That would have been fucking fantastic and a great horror twist. Yeah, for me that show definitely didn't lead itself to, for my personal taste, allow for that because honestly, it almost seems a little low hanging fruit to be like, "Ah, you thought he was, but he wasn't." It's almost a little bit too much of a Shyamalan twist. But but at the same time, I'm glad it was canceled because. But now we can imagine. Exactly, because whether he was or he wasn't. No matter what they decided on by the end of the series, I wouldn't have been satisfied with the answer. Mm-hmm. Fair. I, I was mo- I, I was more satisfied trying to figure it out rather than ultimately knowing. And now that I know that we'll never know for sure, it no, makes that yeah. season beautiful yeah. because we'll never know. Well, it's up to the viewer now, fellas, to decide. But I leave you with this: if you were given the answer, would you believe it? I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know. Oh, no, I'm talking about in general. Oh. On all things. Know. So if you were given the answer to whatever questions ache your mind, would you believe it? Who's giving me the answer? Does it matter? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Because it's the answer. Does it matter where it's coming from? It but does. More so, again, because that'll determine if it? I believe it or not. <laughs> so it, painted in your own head, who would you believe it from? And if you would even what? then believe it. What's the question? <laughs> uh, 42. 42. Yep. Bye. I would say that initially, no. 
but I'd live with it long enough to probably figure it out. Fair. Have a good night, y'all. Later. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's fair because it, it definitely depends on who it's coming from for me. Because like, if if we have a president of the United States coming out and being like, and it kind of doesn't matter who it is, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, they just want votes. And I'm not yep. going to believe a fucking thing they say. <laughs> right. If it's a media star, nope. If it's if it's a random small town preacher, nope, David Koresh. Um, <laughs> so, so I mean, I think that we as a society, I, I, you know, I, I would be hard pressed to find somebody I'd believe it from. Give me someone who's I been would studying ha- it for 30 years and has a doctorate in like, right. you know. <laughs> someone I've never heard of. Yeah. But is clearly, you know. Has credentials. Right. Like if, if Dr. Fauci came out and said, shit, guys, God's real. Okay, that's random. But why would he say that if it wasn't true? <laughs> yeah, but I'd also go. This is the guy that told us we didn't need to wear masks, then we needed to wear masks, and then we didn't need to wear masks again. So are you going to come back in a week and tell me, ah, I was wrong, God's not real, and then come back again and go, no, kidding, figured it out, he's real. But but that's what I'm saying. Like Before COVID, I'd never heard of Fauci. Yeah. So it's got to be someone on that level where it's like, hey, I'm Dr. So-and-so, I studied this, I've done this, this is my career. Just yeah, someone that's not in the political sphere. Yeah, that has no, that level who of gains nothing from it. Yeah, I think the only I I think that really, if somebody had that answer, it would have to be somebody who is real, who is in my circle, who I have never known to, you know, bullshit me or whatever. That I that I have the utmost trust and faith in that yeah he he passed away but there the one of one of my greatest friends was a guy named ken schramm he was a a tv reporter uh and commentator up in seattle um and we got to be suit like family type close and i think that if ken had set me down and went i'm gonna give you the answer to everything i i would sit there and i would eat it up with a spoon because I, I know, I, at first I would go, fuck you, Shram. And, he, <laughs> and, and he'd go, I know, I know, I know. You, you, uh, you would never expect it from me, but I'm being absolutely serious here. And if he spelled it out to me, I would go, holy shit, then that's the answer. But I think that if it, if it wasn't somebody that I had that level of respect for, that that kind of undying personal love for then then i i would be skeptical i i would have to be i i Mm -hmm. I, we are in a world that thrives and spins on scams and sleight of hand and manipulation and Mm -hmm. nothing it's all facade nothing is real so anything that comes to me from a channel from a screen i fuck you Right. Okay. You're just trying to influence me on social media. Um, But if somebody very personal that I believed in set me down and said it, I I would tend to believe it. So, so the messenger matters as much, I think, as the message. 
Absolutely. And yeah, and how you're receiving it, like you said, with that screen barrier between you versus someone who is close and personal. I can definitely agree with that. Yeah. So really, it wouldn't quick, be before, Danny. No. No. <laughs> no. I, think, I think we'd all agree that we wouldn't no. believe. <laughs> Just get so, all the uh, definitions wrong. He changes his own narrative. <laughs> he thinks Frankenstein's supernatural. Come on. No, he doesn't think super. No, wait. He yes, he does. I'm very confused on what <laughs> no, he, he thinks it's supernatural because we can't do it yet. <laughs> so uh, before we go, I want to do a quick book review because um, this book oh, no. pissed me off so oh, no. bad. So I read where the crawdads sing and fuck you delilah owens fuck you so hard you <laughs> piece you of shit i hope your fingers rot god damn it this book pissed me off have you have you read it yet i've not read it yet no i've not read i don't it even yet. know what it is so um should i do this spoiler free because that's going to be impossible no spoilers don't bother me okay Spoil away good because fuck delilah owens fuck her with the biggest fucking spike dildo wow i hate this person i was in love with this book it was fantastic we meet this little girl who was abandoned she kind of finds her way grows up in the marsh and and you're really rooting for her. She is as innocent as the day is long. And she she starts finding love, but she has abandonment issues because everyone abandons her. And then the, the fucking town player messes with her. And then he dies mysteriously. And the whole book is set chapter to chapter. It goes from like modern, well, not modern time, it's 1969, the, the day they find the body to give history to more of the investigation. So they keep going back and forth and it, you know, the, the history timeline slowly catches up with modern and we go through this court case and I was dying to know because they never say how this guy dies. So I'm thinking we're going to get through the court case and then they're going to reveal how he died, how he truly died. And I had my suspect from everything that this story had, I had my suspect. She gets off. She's acquitted. She's found not guilty. Yes. This innocent little girl didn't kill her. I knew she didn't everything. Fuck you. She did kill him. Get him. <laughs> but they never. And here's, here's why it pissed me off. Because <laughs> this it worked. Girl, this girl gets free. She she and her her first love move in together. They have this great life. And then after so many years, she just drops dead. She's 64 years old. She just drops dead. No reason, just drops dead. And her 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 husband, for lack of a better word, I don't think they ever actually got married suddenly finds this cache of poetry that apparently she wrote under a pseudonym. And one of the poems, the one poem that he, he reads is essentially her admittance to killing this guy, but it's not really clear if she actually did it. 
I love ambiguous endings. And I'm just like, fuck you. I'm not going to go see that fucking movie now. And I was all excited <laughs> for give you more fucking money. Fuck you. Well, if it so makes that was my better, review. <laughs> I have another horror book recommendation. I still can't find taste like candy. I've given you the link like eight times. I know, but I can't find it. Like, how can you not find it? Like, I can't find it in a format that I want to consume oh, it in. Oh, okay. That's that's what I needed to know. The, like, the I biggest need more thing, words. It's right the, there. <laughs> yeah, the biggest thing is, is like, audiobooks. <laughs> audiobooks are, are my thing, but it's not on audiobook. You no, know, it's it's not. Um, I got and I found, like, Kindle a Unlimited. whole plethora of other horror books that I really want, and they're not on audiobook. And I just don't have the time to Yeah, a lot of them read. are on Kindle Unlimited, but... Um, yeah, which is where I found that one. But this one is on audio, and I listened to it on Scribd, um, but wherever you get your audiobooks. Um, okay, so it's called Dowry of Blood, and it is a stream of consciousness uh, written in, like, epistolary form. So she's writing, a, uh, she's writing a, a letter to someone, and it's from the perspective of Dracula, one of Dracula's wives, mm. from her turning through to... And their their lives together and bringing other people into the relationship and Dowry I really enjoyed blood. it. Okay. I I really enjoyed it. Um, the narrator did a fantastic job, uh, but I've also heard wonderful praise for physically reading it. So I don't think you can go wrong with either way. But I can send you that link too. But Dowry of Blood, I really enjoyed it. Samantha's pick of the week. Yep, yeah. <laughs> uh, a book to never ever read. A Court of Thorns and Roses, because Sarah J. Mass is not a good author. Also, don't read Where the Crawdads Sing. <laughs> I will <laughs> probably read it. I already own the audiobook, so. You know what? Send it back. <laughs> I could. Don't waste your time. You, there are other books that are far better that you could be reading. Uh, I actually just, uh, this week, I actually just dove into a classic that I'm kind of shocked that I never read i actually listened to uh edgar rice burroughs tarzan of the apes oh oh yeah it's fucking amazing mm-hmm. um i read those years ago oh my god yeah i i had never read it i found it listened to it it's beautiful um they don't write them like that anymore <laughs> nope um but yeah and it's like and as a kid like growing up i loved tarzan and and uh and that sort of thing. So uh, one of my favorite Tarzan movies of all time is still Greystoke uh, with Christopher Lambert. Um, does not hold up at all, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were talking about rebooting stuff. I actually would love to see some of those old uh, fictional heroes redone. I know they tried it with John Carter of Mars and it failed miserably. Um, and I think it goes like, what Samantha was saying, it just was written badly. And a classic like that is really hard to, because you can't put the whole novel in there, mm-hmm. but you know, I think John Carter would actually make a better series than it would a movie. Whereas Tarzan, I think, I think Tarzan, you can do as, as a movie, but John Carter, that something like that, you would have to do. Again. Yeah. But I, I actually wouldn't mind seeing some, some really you know, classic stories. I would love to see a great treasure Island done, you know, um, black they, sales, man. I was black just going to say, they, they kind of gave us it that. with black sales. It. Oh, 
Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I think I ended season one and then I hadn't continued. And I don't. Know I'm John Silver and I've got a long fucking memory. Oh! That's <laughs> <laughs> such a good, such a good show. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they weave it in with the story of Treasure Island, but real historical pirates. Yep. Really makes that movie fucking and show LGBTQ friendly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a great series. Great. It is. It is probably my favorite pirate thing I have ever seen. I'll have to restart it because when it first came out, um, I didn't have access to wherever it was streaming because streaming was fairly new at the time too, right. and I was still moving around a lot. So I just didn't was never in one spot to actually like watch it. So I would need to restart it because I don't remember much. I can visualize the characters, but I don't right. remember the story. So. Yeah, for me, it took it took a little while. And Travis was was praising the show uh, so much. So um, we had the opportunity to get the entire series on Blu-ray for cheap. But then we had to keep taking them back because the discs weren't working. We got like, we got one. No, we got like two seasons that had faulty discs. And nice. and we had to keep taking them back. Um, and we finally got discs that work and we were able to get through the entire thing. But um season one was a little bit of a slog for me. It's 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 a slow burn, but but remember it's you know, it's an origin story, really, that first season. And then after that, holy crap. Yeah, once you once you get through season one, it just starts it just starts moving. And it helps if you know some pirate history. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it helps if you know who who the other players are, um, because they they play really well to their legend. Nice. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a fantastic series. So awesome! I'll have to give it another try. Yeah, but uh, again, I, I would love too. to see would love to see uh, more classics. Uh, sort of rebooted, I guess. Um, and I think this all started because I, I re, re, I, I went back and re-listened to uh, "To Kill a Mockingbird," and it was just as good as I remembered. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, I think the next, the next classic I'm going to revisit is uh, "The Scarlet Letter." Oh, so, nice. Yeah, I, I'm kind of going back to all the books I read in high school, all the classics I was forced to read. Um, and seeing if there is, if I enjoy them as much as uh, I remember. And and we had uh, a few weeks ago, we had Jim on and we were talking about classic books. And, and I think that just kind of sparked this. I really want to go back. So I got a bunch of books that I didn't uh, read in high school that other high schools read. I did get uh, flowers for Alderaan. So that's oh, on my, on my yeah. list. So he's like, Oh, I know what that's about. <laughs> yep. I'm yeah, afraid. Cause I don't want to be sad, but. Uh, um, Jim Jim loves that book, so I gotta check it out. I want might to give you the feels. And, yeah, yeah, just a bit. I want to go back and reread Aldous Huxley's uh, Brave New World. Um, I I was one oh. who just skipped a lot. I don't like being told what to read, so I just kind of skipped a lot. Yeah. Just kind of made shit up. So you know, I did okay in school because I don't like to be told what to read. Um, well, tell me how to live. Pretty much, like leave me alone. I'll read what I want. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
I, I didn't read a lot of books, but ones that I did read, I did read Brave New World, and I really like that. And Of Mice and Men is one of my favorite books. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Mice, uh, of Mice and Men is one I've never read, and I really should. It's only so. like 84 pages, so if you pick up the audio, you'll be mm-hmm. done in an instant. It's so good. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, okay. Well, we went long today. Travis, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad you, you were able to j- jump on. Right? Yeah, we're me too. About werewolves. Sorry Yay! that you had, had to have See? another. <laughs> Speak of the devil. We called the him. The devil appears. <laughs> <laughs> no one said candy, man. What? <laughs> um, yeah, as always, you are welcome anytime, my friend. Love when having I you. When I can, on. I will be here. And and thank you for entertaining Samantha and I. <laughs> oh, my gosh. For a while, we just kind of sat back and just let you guys get. Sorry, sorry. Don't apologize. Don't don't apologize. It was fantastic. Danny and I do laundry every Sunday. We call it church. We do (laughs) we do laundry together, and this that is exactly the type of conversations that we will get into at the laundromat. Oh yeah, and they will they will last for hours. I got I got involved in one a few weeks ago. That was. It was a really good conversation, but it was, it's, I started noticing some things about Danny's argument style, not argument. It wasn't an argument. It was a debate. Um, and, and God bless him for it, but I just wanted to shake him and go, make up your goddamn mind. Danny. And, and I absolutely adore him. But yeah. Sometimes he's a moving target. Sometimes yeah. he's, he, he's a little, um, adaptable to his beliefs and yeah that's good it means he's not dogmatic but it's tough to debate sometimes when he keeps changing the goalposts a little mm-hmm. well yeah. for me it's the it's the changing definition of words that have definitions that are clear right. and concise. <laughs> that's what gets me that i'm just like that's not what that word means <laughs> right but you know what? Now, Every time he does it, we should make him uh, put a quarter in the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to read it in the dictionary. I'm like, that is your definition. <laughs> <laughs> okay, friends. Uh, thank you so much for Love joining him. us. And Thanks for having me. We hope you have a great week. Again, Travis, you are welcome anytime, my friend. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Not Another Podcast. There are so many places for you to find us outside of www.notanotherpodcast.com. For instance, you can find us on Facebook at Not Another Podcast. You can also find us on Tumblr at www.notanotherpodcast.tumblr.com. You can also find me, Samantha Stark, on Twitter at SamanthaStark3. And you can find James on Twitter as well under James Spooky, spelled with an I-E, not a Y. And you wanted it. You asked for it. You got it. You can also find us now on iTunes under, you guessed it, Not Another Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out, Not Another Podcasters.